Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Jason Simmons, the consignment director for Heritage Auctions, the world's largest collectibles auctioneer. With Jason based out of New York City and his company headquartered in Dallas, Texas, you might be wondering why I have invited him onto a podcast called Toronto Legends. Well, of course, it has to do with hockey, and more specifically, hockey cards. You may have seen on the news recently that a Regina man was helping his father declutter when they discovered an unopened case of OPG hockey cards from the 1979-80 NHL season. Now, of course, that would be interesting enough and valuable enough to find unopened hockey cards from 45 years ago. But the kicker, and it's a capital K kicker, is that this was the great one, Wayne Gretzky's rookie season. And it's been estimated that there may be as many as 27 Gretzky rookie cards within these unopened packs of hockey cards, or there might be less, or there may be more. Nonetheless, Heritage Auctions is estimating the value for this incredible find to be in the $3 million range, and we're all eager to learn the final purchase price when the auction process closes on February 25th. Welcome, Jason, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Well, thank you for having me. So right now I am in New Jersey. So I am the New York consignment director. Uh, we have an office in New York and we have an office in New Jersey. And in New Jersey, we deal with cards. You might see some, well, you can see some shelves behind me with some cards, but uh, your listeners certainly can't. What happens is um, we're the epicenter of the collecting world for uh, trading cards, especially uh, sports cards. And here in New Jersey, we will uh, take these large collections, break them down, figure out what's worth what, and ultimately auction them down in Dallas. Well, I can't think of a worse way to perpetuate the trope or stereotype of Canadians loving hockey above everything else than the gaga reaction in this country to this discovery of hockey cards. Since this story broke, every Canadian media outlet from the local community level all the way up to our national broadcaster, the CBC, has been blowing up your phone for details. Now, Assuming you are American, Jason, I want to give you permission to laugh at us Canucks. To be honest, is this not the craziest over-the-top reaction you've ever experienced? You know what? Um, I am from the card-collecting community, and just as crazy as the Canadian media has been, the card-collecting, the sports card-collecting community has been just as wild over this. This is, um, you know the holy grail of hockey cards it's it's something that you just never thought we'd ever see and of course it had to be at, in regina in the middle of canada um, i went to go visit and it was negative 40 degrees i'm not used to that and it has been a wild ride so far well it is an incredible find so let's start with the latest on the auction process where are you at in the bidding process and what is the current high bid so the current high bid right now is just over $2 million. Specifically, or exactly, I think at $2.01 million. Um, right now, it's the most money anyone has ever bid on a an unopened case of cards. Um, the previous record was some basketball cards uh, a couple of years ago, and that went for, I think, $1.7, $1.8 $1 So this has a lot of leg to, to go. It's 17, 16 days left of bidding. And yeah, I fully anticipate it to end right around that $3 million price point that you had estimated them at. Now, when will the public know the final winning bid? 
So the public will know uh, probably around midnight on the uh, the 24th. How our auctions work is it's all online. It's a public auction. You can go on ha.com slash sports right now and check out this auction. This is just one of 1,600 lots that we have up for sale. And we have everything from this case to baseball items. We have a glove that was used by Babe Ruth. We have the entirety of Mike Bossy's collection. His, his daughter consigned it all to us. And we have cards in the $500 range and cards in the million dollar range. But for this particular case, what we're talking about is a case of cards. So inside this case are 16 boxes. So you you might remember from your childhood seeing a box of cards at the grocery store counter. This is what's inside, 16 boxes. And in each box is 48 packs. And in each pack is 14 cards and a stick of gum still. And these boxes, if you're doing the math, should have, this case should have over 10,000 cards. So with a set total of 396 cards, it comes out to just around 27 of each card, including that Wayne Gretzky. I think that's a great summary. And just to summarize for the listeners, we're talking about this single sealed wholesale format case holding 16 retail format boxes, which each contain 48 pack of hockey cards which then each contain 14 individual hockey cards. As you note, Jason, when you do the math, there will be over 10,000 hockey cards in this discovery. And assuming a perfect assortment of card distribution within this case, as you again note, you're expecting it may contain 27 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. Now, of course, we're talking about number 99, the great one, indisputably the greatest hockey player of all time. Mm -hmm. Jason, maybe you can talk a little about the market value of the 1979-80 OPG Wayne Gretzky rookie card. You know, for for hockey cards, this is by and large the most important hockey card in existence. Um, it's certainly the most valuable hockey card in existence. We sold a PSA 10, which is a third-party grading company. A 10 is perfect condition, gem mint condition, 10 out of 10. We sold one of those cards for $3.75 million um, just a couple years ago. And don't go thinking that your Gretzky card is worth $4 million because chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you might have one. It's not a completely uncommon card. Uh, To put it into perspective, the PSA has graded around 10,000 of these cards and only two so far have been graded that 10 out of 10 condition. So... With 27 cards in this, or 27 Gretzky's potentially in this case, hopefully you open it and you can find that perfect example because right now there's only two known. Well, here's where you lost me, Jason. Is it not by definition, if they've been sealed for 45 years, why can I not assume that any Wayne Gretzky rookie cards found would be in 10 gem mint condition? So collectors have some... Have some um, <laughs> some idiosyncrasies they they look at these cards and it's not just the corners and the edges um that they're looking at chances are if you pull out one of these gretzky cards from the pack it'll look perfect to the to the layman you know the the edges will be crisp the corners will be perfect you won't see any any creases obviously but there are other issues so with trading cards the centering is very important. So with 1979 OPG hockey, they have those bright blue borders on all four sides. 
and you're looking for a card that's perfectly centered. It's not too much to the left, too much to the right. You, with 79 OPG hockey, you deal with a lot of print issues. So you might have some errant ink across Gretzky's face. You might see little print dots all over the place. It's just the print quality of these cards was never that great. Um, they were never meant to be perfect. You know, these are cards that were used to help sell gum back in the 70s. And nowadays, collectors are trying to find those perfect examples, that that diamond in the rough. You could open this entire case and not get a single perfect, perfect example of Wayne Gretzky. It's truly a gamble if you ch- if you choose to sit down and, and rip open some packs. Wow. Well, regardless of how these uh, cards actually come out in terms of quality, originally priced in 1979 at 20 cents per pack, the owner of this case originally invested $150. This will yeah. be quite the return on investment. Yeah, then they're over the moon. So what had happened was this is an old school collector and he was doing exactly what people do nowadays. They open up boxes. You know, you might buy a box from Tops or from OPG or Upper Deck and you might op- sit there, open those boxes looking to hit Aaron Judge or Sidney Crosby or or any player from nowadays. So what this individual did was he bought this case with the entire with the full intention of opening it. And I believe he actually bought two cases at the time. And he opened the first one. He built a bunch of sets. He probably built 20 plus sets. And he just never got around to opening this one. And he wasn't, this isn't an individual who had exorbitant amounts of money. You know, $150 was a lot of money back in 1979. But to a collector, that was a small small price to pay to to build these sets. And of course, he had to sell some of these sets to supplement these uh, this cost. But... It just sat in his in his house um, unopened all this time, and he forgot about it. It wasn't until back in November when his son was helping the father clear out this collection, going through this back room that he was using as storage, did they find some some cases. And um, one of those cases said on the side, 1980. So they assumed, oh, wow, we have a 1980 hockey case um which is great it's cool it's something that i haven't seen sell before it'd probably sell for four or five hundred thousand dollars but it wasn't until they they saw there was a little hole at the top of the flap and you could see the boxes inside did they realize that it was 1979 and not 1980 now you and your firm heritage auctions got involved so tell us how you got involved what were the logistical steps you had to follow to take possession of the cards and Jason, don't leave a step out because I think this is a crazy, <laughs> fascinating process. Yes. So um, we had actually been working with this family. We've worked with them in the past. So uh, this gentleman had quite a large collection and he had actually consigned some items with us before. Um, nothing huge, you know, a few hundred dollars there, a couple hundred dollars here. Basically, whenever he got bored, he might pull some some items out of this back room and and give them to us to 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 sell but he sort of went quiet on us for a few years and his son had started to take over this process of clearing out this back room the father is is in well into his 80s and he um wasn't really looking to to take on this type of project and so the son has been trying to clean out the house a little bit and help him tackle some of these cards so i had gotten touch with the sun maybe back in september maybe august 
And we started to discuss potentially consigning some of these cards that they had. Um, at that time, the discussion wasn't about million dollar cases of cards. It was about, you know, a $2,000 set of cards here or or a few singles there. It, it, it was an interesting consignment, but it wasn't something earth shattering. So I had met the son in Toronto and in Toronto, he handed me a stack of cards, maybe, maybe about a hundred cards. And they were nice cards. There's probably $50,000 worth of cards there. It was, it was um, actually a really impressive group that he had given us. Um, and I told him, listen, Keep going through the, your dad's collection. Um, if you're pulling these individual cards from sets, don't give us these individual cards. Let us work with the entire set so we can so we can work with the entire body of work. It, it doesn't make sense to pull out all the Mickey Mantle cards from all the sets because you're you're devaluing what you you have. So if you need help, we'll help you go through this collection. We'll help you dig through uh, this back room that you're talking about. It sounds like a, a fun way to spend the week. So that's where we had left it. And I had gotten a text from him, from the son, saying, hey, Jason, I'm at my dad's house. We're clearing out some stuff. Um, and I think I found something good. And he sent me a picture of this hockey case. And I think my exact words were, oh, my God. No one had ever seen at this point one of these cases. If, if you know, I say holy grail or white whale or, or whatever... I'm not exaggerating. No one, no one. It's so rare that no one has actually seen the outer shipping box, this this cardboard box before. And it's something that people have always you you always hear whispers. I I, I go to Canada quite a bit for for picking up collections. There's a lot of shows in Canada. There's a show in Toronto that I go to, um, and I was in this a couple months ago. And you'll always hear a whisper of like, oh, I know a guy who who has seen a hockey uh, 79 Opeachy case or like, oh, this guy has a 79. But but no one ever provides proof of life. It's like the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot. Like like you'll hear sightings and and you'll say, oh, you have a picture. And be like, oh, no, I, I wasn't able to get a picture. Oh, it's a blurry shot. And it's it's, it's quite extraordinary how, how people will um start to, to dodge that that question like oh no i don't have a picture i can't prove you i have one but uh but i know of where one is so what had happened was once we found out that this case was there we had a bit of a mad dash the son lives in toronto the dad lives in regina they now have this three million dollar case sitting in the house and the son is actually concerned that i don't want this sitting in my dad's house right now because we're trying to get stuff out so what we did was we do quite a lot of business. We do quite quite a lot of high value items. So we we use an armor truck service. Um, and so we had mentioned, um, all right, we will have an armor truck come pick up this case and start to get the process of getting this down to Dallas. So we call up Malka, which is the company that deals with this. Um, and Mal <laughs> Malka looked at where Regina was on the map and said, no. We're not going to go pick that up. It's, it's too, the logistics. It's it's too far for them to go pick it up and bring it back to to a hub in one day. And they were worried because they didn't want to stay overnight somewhere. Because now you're staying overnight with a three million dollar case. We want we everything has to be insured. You know, we go through all these steps to make sure every little thing is insured, and that once we take possession of it. It's under our care, and we want to make sure nothing gets damaged, lost, stolen, whatever. And knock on wood, I've never had to deal with that because we are very, 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 very careful. Um, last year, we did 
billion dollars worth of sales. So we we know what we're doing with this, but we had an issue. This was in Regina, and I had I hadn't realized how far it was from from anything. You know, I was like, it's a it's a three million dollar case. Why don't I just drive there? I was going to be in Detroit that week, and I was like, I'll just drive from Detroit. How far could it be? Not realizing it's a twenty hour drive to get from Detroit to Regina. I. The, the whole concept of space once you get you know uh once you get west of of chicago is is foreign to me um it was really remarkable so what we ended up doing is just like any large company we have security guards we have armed guards or, or security guards that help us protect either the property or or patrol at night uh, the, the premises and and whatnot so we actually flew one of our guards up to regina he then took the case took possession of the case and then he flew with the case to Toronto where he was able to drop it off at Malka the armored shipment company. Malka then was able to take possession of it in Toronto and then Malka drove the case in their armored truck down to Dallas. So the case has um done quite a uh, trek and actually the case was inspected and authenticated in Indiana so it also involved us to drive the case up to Chicago. From Chicago, we brought it to Indiana, where it was um, where it was uh, authenticated, and then we brought it back down to Chicago. So this case has traveled, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles over the past uh, over the past two months. It's an amazing story. Now, Jason, yep. who do you expect the buyer is going to be? And what I mean by that is, do you expect they're going to be purchasing it as an investment, like gold bars? Or is something to be actively displayed as a piece of memorabilia or or what? You know what? Either or. So I would imagine there's two types of people who are going to be buying this. There are dealers and collectors. And um, yes, at this at this price point, you still have collectors who are just like you and I. They like to collect this stuff. They just have a bigger budget than I do. You know, I'm not I'm not going out and buying a three million dollar box of cards, but I might buy a $300 box of cards. And what I would imagine will happen with this case, I would imagine it stays sealed. You know, there's a lot of value to having it sealed. Uh, There are people out there that will open up $50,000, $100,000, $200,000 boxes of cards, but I've never seen someone open up a $3 million box of cards. But go back to the dealer versus collector. So, you know, at this price point, you're going to have trophy hunters, people who want to have the best of the best. Um, it's possible that this eclipses the $3.75 million price tag that, that Gretzky card sold for. And this could be the highest price hockey item ever, to which a lot of collectors will think that's really cool. Chances are it's going to pass. The, uh, there was a $2.5 million private sale of an unopened item. So chances are this will pass that. And this might be the most expensive unopened item ever. I say holy grail now the third time. This is the holy grail of it's it's something that collectors who collect unopened items, vintage items, vintage cards will absolutely die over. So it could go to a collector, just some some guy who really is looking at this as something they're nostalgic for towards. They remember opening up 79 tops or 79 Opeachy hockey, and they think, wow, you know, I've never seen a case before. No one's ever seen a case before. I'd love to own a case. But then you're also going to have potentially dealers going after it. So there is a very small pool of individuals who can afford this case as a case, but there's a slightly larger pool who can afford 
boxes from this case. So you might have a dealer who buys the case with the intention of selling the individual boxes, the 16 wax boxes out over the course of many years. If the case sells at a price point where they think they can make money, then they will certainly go and buy this. You know, to give you to give you an idea, the last time we sold a box of this um, of OPG hockey, seventy nine OPG hockey, we sold a box for two hundred and ten thousand dollars, and this is all USD. So two hundred ten thousand times sixteen boxes that comes out to three point two million dollars. I'd imagine the buyer has every intention of taking it apart, selling the boxes at quarter million dollars, $300,000, whatever, and making a, making a profit. It might take them many, many years to do that, but there are some people who are willing to, to, to put in that investment. But if I were to guess, I would say the winner is going to be a collector because the collectors will always outpay the dealers and the winner is going to keep it as a sealed case. Well, this is where you really have to bring out your crystal ball, Jason. What are the chances the buyer will actually open any of the packs of hockey cards? And will we ever know how many Wayne Gretzky rookie cards are actually in there? So to answer your second question, will we ever know how many are actually in here? No, unfortunately, we will not. If, if someone opens this, it will be, like I said, a dealer who is selling the individual boxes. And when those boxes sell, they're going to sell to people all around the world and whether those people ultimately open them or not um, is up to them i'm sure if this box get this case gets broken up and 16 boxes now enter the market i'm sure some of those 16 will be opened and so you might see a gretzky pop up here and there in a newly minted gretzky but um no one is ever going to know because no one's ever going to sit and open all 16 boxes at once and count up exactly how many Gretzky's were in there. So ironically, I am going to presume the chances of the buyer actually enjoying the cards or installing them in the spokes of their bicycle are zero. <laughs> zero. Um, the, the spokes of the bicycle are long, long gone. And um, it's very possible that this is not only the last time we see it as a sealed case, but it's also possible this is the last time anyone sees one of these sealed cases. Jason, will there be chewing gum inside these packs of cards? And how much will the chewing gum be worth? You know, there is chewing gum in these packs of cards. Um, so you, 16 boxes, each box has 48 packs. Do the math. That's how many sticks of gum are in here. I have personally tried some chewing gum from a 70s pack and it's not very good i can tell you it uh breaks up into dust in your mouth and you uh you immediately have a <laughs> desire to spit out whatever you put in in there but there will be there will be gum you're a braver man than me jason <laughs> to, to try it out but you did it for the good of the cause if you're enjoying this toronto legends interview please check out the more than 200 additional episodes available anytime we got Chef Susur Lee, Body Breaks Hal Johnson, Comedian Paul Reiser, Michael Pinball Clemens, our UN Ambassador Bob Ray, Maple Leafs Captain Rick Vive, Dragon's Den's Wes Hall, and TVO's Steve Pakin. How they did it directly from the Toronto legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365 wherever you get your podcasts. Or go to torontolegends.ca. I have to ask you, has Wayne Gretzky chimed in on this whole story to your knowledge? 
you know, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen him w- chime in. Um, you know, he he has his he has famously purchased trading cards in the past. Most notably, he was the buyer of a Honus Wagner card that that is the most expensive single card in this hobby. Um, he has since sold it. It's now owned in a private collection. But um, I haven't seen him chime in on this yet. I did not go to Harvard Business School, but I do have a marketing suggestion for you, Jason. You need to get Wayne Gresty and invite him to serve as the honorary auctioneer and have him bring the gavel down when this auction closes. You know what? If he's willing to do it, we'd love to have him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm sure he's listening, so hopefully he gets this. Now, on that note, let's talk about auctions, because when I think of an auction, I think of it as what I saw on Seinfeld when uh, Jay Peterman sent Elaine as his proxy to bid on President Kennedy's golf clubs, is that format with an auctioneer and bidders waiting paddles in the audience the way auctions are handled today? Yes and no. So Heritage Auctions has 60 plus categories. We sell everything from movie posters to baseball cards to coins, comics, video games, jewelry, what have you. Of those 60 plus categories, they are all held, except for one, as live auctions. So a gentleman, a woman with a paddle, an auctioneer with a paddle, a gavel, will conduct an auction. The only category that is solely online for whatever reason is sports. So for sports, this auction is online. It's online only. Uh, The sports market and all of our competitors have moved online. And because of that, it makes the auctions a little bit more seamless. It allows us to have a 1600 lot auction as opposed to an art auction, which usually conventionally has 80 to 100 lots, just because the time it takes to sell each individual lot, um, it can take several minutes sometimes. So for sports, having everything end online, it allows us to, to sell more material. What is the buyer's premium? Presumably, this is how your firm gets paid. Yes. So buyer's premium is 20% um, at Heritage Auctions. It's uh, the fee that's tacked on at the end. So if uh, going once, going twice, sold for $10,000, that doesn't include buyer's premium. So you tack on an extra 20% or the buyer actually pays that $12,000. In this case, for this Wayne Gretzky, uh, for this uh, 79 Opeachy case, the current bid, the hammer price is at $1.675 million. Um, and what that comes out to with the buyer's premium is it comes out to just over $2 million. So when auctioneers will talk about prices realized, they will include the buyer's premium just because it sounds better. And ultimately, that's the price that someone was willing to pay on that very day. That makes sense. Do you accept payments in cryptocurrency? We do, actually. We do accept payments in cryptocurrency. We accept payments in a lot of different forms. But with the advent um, of cryptocurrency being a one of the reasons why people suspect sports cards ballooned in value over the past three, four years, um, we have adopted cryptocurrency as a form of payment. Oh, it's getting more legitimate every day. Yeah. You also handle consignment. What is consignment and how is it different than the auction process? So my job as consignment director is to um, help individuals who have these collections figure out exactly what they're worth. So if you have a 52 Tops Mickey Mantle card, um, you might reach out to us and say, hey, what's my card worth? 
we're professional graders. We can look at the card. We can assess what we think the condition might be from a photo. We can say it looks like it could grade a six or a seven. It could be worth uh, $150,000 or so. And ultimately, if that individual wants to sell it, we would take it on consignment to sell at auction. So we're not looking to buy this material from you. Uh, We think you're going to get more money in an auction process than from an individual who buys it. You know, if you're looking to do a private deal, that person who's buying that item, chances are they're looking to make a profit. For us, for auctioning, our interests are aligned with consigners. You know, the more money you make is the more money that we will make. So so we're really partners in this. Um, in the case of the 790 Peachy hockey case, the more money that uh, the family ends up getting is more money that Heritage ends up getting. So we have every interest to get this to get the most money possible for them. Who is Jason Simmons? What was your path to getting into this industry? Because you were actually trained as an accountant. Yes. Um, so y- y- you can't go to school to be a baseball card expert. Um, <laughs> so I'd always been a collector. Um, my dad is a collector of uh, stamps and bottles. And he would take me to flea markets through uh, throughout my childhood. Every Saturday after soccer practice, we'd go to a flea market. And he'd give me three, four dollars to go and find, you know, some baseball cards or to find some Pokemon cards or whatever, what have you. And so I would go around and wheel and deal while my dad went, went treasure hunting, essentially. And so, you know, collecting is a bit of a gene. It, it's inherited, uh, inherited, I guess. For me, I gravitated towards sports cards and sports collectibles. So it was around high school, college when I realized, hey, I know this stuff pretty well. Maybe I'll try to buy and sell this material. Um, and I was actually pretty good at it. I would go on auction. I'd go on eBay. I'd go sift through auctions. I'd find those overlooked items and I would win them and I would try to resell them for a profit. And I was so good at this that after college, I was making more money buying and selling baseball cards than I was in my day job. So I was working at a CPA firm for many years. And then um, I actually went to Christie's, the auction house, and I worked in finance there, FP&A work. And it was during COVID that I realized, you know, it'd be fun to do this full time. And it'd be fun to try to do baseball cards full time. And so I reached out to Heritage Auctions and I said, hey, do you need anyone new in New York? And they knew me a bit. I knew them quite well. And they said, yeah, actually we do. So since then, I've helped thousands of individuals and hundreds of families um, figure out exactly what their their collections are, figure out how much it's worth, and ultimately have brought millions and millions of dollars worth of material to auction for them. Well, you mentioned before, Jason, that you had a bit of a relationship with this family that found this hockey card case. But in any business, is huge competitors and... I guess, how did you win this assignment over your competitors? It's all about relationships. So we had had a great relationship with this family for many years. And when we were working with this family, it wasn't the $5 million, the $3 million pieces or 300,000 or 500,000. It was literally $500 items that we were selling. I went through their account. I saw that we sold $200 items for them, $300, $500 items for them. And, you know, we're a big auction house. We sell uh, after Christie's and Sotheby's, we're the third largest in the world. And 
treating individuals and treating small collections like not it wasn't a small collection, but treating the smaller items with respect and going through and making sure that you're selling this material as you would want your own material sold goes a really long way. So we had put a lot of effort into making sure that they were happy, they enjoyed the auction process, they were happy with prices, and they were happy with prices on the low end material. And so when they found this this case, this diamond in the rough, we were their first phone call. And because we were their first phone call, we were the first in the door. We were able to um, get this done very quickly without any any stress on their part. And so far, they, they've been through the moon excited about this. Business strategies and trends come and go, mm-hmm. but it always comes back to relationships. It's amazing. doesn't matter what business you're in. Now, authenticity must be a huge issue in the world of collectibles, especially with cards such as the Wayne Gretzky rookie card. I presume your firm has to stay on the leading edge. So what is the latest and greatest in terms of authentication procedures? With authentication, it, it, it completely depends on the subject matter. For cards, we send cards out to get graded. I'd mentioned third-party grading in the past. And what that is, it's a third-party company. Uh, the largest is PSA. There's other companies such as SGC and Beckett that will take the cards, individual cards, and they'll encapsulate. They'll assign a numeric grade from one being the worst, 10 being the best, and they'll authenticate the cards. So with cards, that's that's the best we can do. With autographs, there are experts out there that look at, there are handwriting experts that look at the um, signature, they might look at the provenance for valuable pieces, and they will issue letters of authenticity for that. But for unopened material, it's a little bit different. So for this, we had to open the case. We had to open the case. There's a video online of us opening it just to make sure that there are, in fact, 16 boxes inside. You know, it's it's a cardboard box. How do you know there's 16 boxes inside unless you open it? So we opened the case. We looked at the 16 boxes and we actually inspected to make sure there were packs in these boxes. And the individual who did that, his name is Steve Hart. He runs Baseball Card Exchange, which is the leading authenticator for unopened material. And with wax packs, and I say wax pack, and you might say, why is it called a wax pack? Well, if you remember these packs back in the 70s and 80s as a kid, they have a bit of a waxy surface, the the wrapper itself. And it's because they are sealed with wax. Um, so if you look at the back when you open one of these packs, and, and you don't have to open a 79 Opeachy box to 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 experiment with this. You can open up a, any old pack from the time period, and you'll see that it's sealed with wax. And you can actually authenticate these packs as factory sealed by looking at the roller marks and looking at where the seal is, where, looking at where the creases are, and and there's a lot of things we can do to make sure that it's legitimate um, and not someone who bought one of these wrappers online, bought 14 cards and a stick of gum and just put it all together. So in this case, Steve had opened these boxes. This case, he looked at the boxes. The boxes were in perfect condition. Uh, they looked like they came right out of the factory as they did. And he inspected the boxes themselves. He, I think he looked at some of the packs as well. And ultimately with the provenance, with everything inside, everything looked perfect. So he authenticated it. He resealed it. He wrapped it with his BBCE authentication um, wrapping, and he issued a letter of authenticity with each box. 
It's amazing. So there's still a lot of manual steps in the process and not necessarily for cards, but for other stuff. I noticed uh, you mentioned your Mike Bossy collection. I now understand there's even photo matching uh, to authenticate items. If you think about, say, a Yankees home jersey, if you're a baseball fan, they have pinstripes. Look at pinstripes as a fingerprint. The way that the pinstripes will match up against seams. No two jerseys are the same. No two jerseys that Derek Jeter wore are the same because the pinstripes will match up with the New York lettering or the or the Jeter on the back differently. These are all, you know, hand hand created. So finding photos of these items and finding photos of these individuals wearing these items, you can actually take a high resolution photo and say it's a LeBron James jersey. Think about the mesh, those that little those little dots on the jersey, and think about how the Cleveland Cavaliers logo lines up with that mesh. It's almost like a uh, a fingerprint. And so, if you can find these perfect matches, it's it's brings it to a whole nother level. We photo match all the time. It's it's something that will turn a ten thousand, twenty thousand dollar jersey into two hundred thousand um, dollars because. It's one thing to have one of these experts say, yes, Magic Johnson wore this jersey, or yes, Wayne Gretzky wore this jersey. But it's another thing to be able to show you a photo, high-resolution photo, and show you exactly why we think he wore it, and show you definitive proof that that jersey was worn by Michael Jordan, or Gretzky, or Bossy, or any of these greats. It's It it brings it to a different level. Yeah, Jason... In closing, I'd like to express my condolences for the hell that your life must have become. I can only shiver when thinking about how many phone calls and emails you've been getting since this story broke. From people who have hundreds or even thousands of hockey cards in their attic, they are now convinced that they are sitting on a treasure and want you, Jason, to personally drop by and investigate. You know, when we sold that 79 Gretzky for $3.75 million. I joked that it was a second job of mine to break the hearts of all of Canadians because everyone seemed to have that card. And to put it in perspective, there's only two known 10s. So a 10 sold for almost $4 million. Nines, there are dozens and dozens of nines out there. Nines sell for $150,000. Eights, Sell for around fifteen to twenty thousand. Seven sell for five, six thousand dollars or so, maybe a little bit more, um, maybe eight thousand. So sometimes people w- would reach out, or a lot of people reached out, sorry, and said, "I have one of those cards." But great, send me a photo, and they'll send me a beautiful near mint condition. Near mint being a seven, Gretzky, and I said, "Wow, that's a beautiful card." Um, in near mint condition. These sell for around six, seven thousand dollars, and they, they will say, "Oh my God! Well, I saw you sold one for four million. I thought I had four million dollars." It's like, ah, man, I'm sorry for breaking the news to you, but you're not going to retire off this Gretzky card. I think you're clearly a nice guy, and I think you're too polite. So I'm going to say it for you, people: you do not have one of these retirement grade Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. Please do not call Jason. And, uh, and and have a look into it. It's highly unlikely. Is that the message or am I wrong? 
Yeah, you know what? We'll take it. We'll take the uh, the the Gretzky. You know, just like our consigner here. If we turn down all of the all of the three thousand dollar items, then you never know when a three million dollar item will um, appear. And who knows? We might not have gotten this if we turned this consigner down because of the material he he started with. Fantastic point. You're a good businessman. I can tell. Now, Jason, where can we best follow Heritage Auctions? And where can we best follow the bidding process for this unopened case of 1979-1980 OPG hockey cards? So you can go to ha.com, ha, heritageauctions.com slash sports. Our auction is open for another 16 days. Like I said, we don't just have $3 million items. Um, If your budget's 500 bucks, there's something in it for you. Um, we have 1,600 lots in this auction, and we have auctions just about every month for sports. But this is our our biggest. That's really fantastic. I want to wish you luck with this process. you got a lot going on, and I want to thank you for your time. It was great not only to meet you, but to hear all your stories. I definitely wish I had chosen a different career path. I think your job sounds amazing. I would love to do it every day. And uh, I want to wish you continued success. Thank you. And to the listeners, on behalf of Jason Simmons, I am Andrew Applebaum saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports marianne iveson from iveson voice and the let's take this outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.